This is a podcast from Partnerships for Wellbeing. Hello and welcome to episode 23 of Ways to Wellbeing. I'm Jess Sazinski. And here at Partnerships for Wellbeing, planning is well underway for our festival of walking and wheeling. That's happening in May. And we're hoping around 30 walking, cycling and wheelchair groups in the city will be taking part. But as we've been developing plans for that festival, we've also been thinking about some of the key figures in Scotland who've been talking about the benefits of walking and cycling and simply keeping moving for many a year. One of them is a friend and former colleague of mine, John Beatty. Now, John's probably best known for his time as a rugby internationalist, but these days he presents the News Drive programme on BBC Radio Scotland. So this week I swapped the Ness for the Clyde to meet up with John and talk about his own approach to health and well-being. As you'll hear, our conversation ranged far and wide and included John's own fears about dementia and his confession about being responsible for putting a bridge in, well, slightly the wrong place. John, thanks for speaking to us, first of all. Uh, now, there's a reason why I've come all the way down to Glasgow to speak to you, and it's because back in Inverness, we're in the midst of planning a big festival of walking and wheeling in May this year. And when we sat down to think about the kind of people who've inspired us to get moving and, and take up walking, your name came to my mind, especially because quite a long time ago, you were involved uh, in a big initiative to get people um, to keep get people keeping fit, I suppose. Yeah, just briefly, it was the Physical Activity Task Force. So Jack McConnell, the then First Minister, asked if I would uh, be the chairman of this task force to look at making Scotland more active. So we published a report in 2003. And when we started, I thought it was going to be all about rugby and press-ups and pull-ups and sprinting and, and, and jogging and marathons. And it wasn't. Every expert we got in from around the world, crystal clear, all the research said the biggest and best thing you can do is help a population walk. Uh-huh. If you can get people walking, that's the single biggest step change in your life that you can have. So you can do 150 minutes per week. If you go from zero or 100 to 150 minutes, that's the biggest step change. So all the targets then were to do with walking, yeah. making the population and and it, and it was everybody. It's not just people like me at the time, 40-something. It was everybody. We decrease our activity the older we get. Young girls decrease their activity in their teenage years. And it was how to keep everyone just just staying that little bit more active. And walking was the key. It is fascinating, isn't it? Because yeah. on the podcast, we've spoken to uh, Professor Nanette Murtry at uh, Edinburgh I spoke University. to her today. Yeah. Purely by chance. And... Uh, uh, and she said, she's his expression, you get the most bang for your yeah. buck in terms of walking. It is, it sorts out so many other health problems. It does, um, from things like osteoporosis. If you walk, you keep your femur a little bit more dense, so you, you're less likely to break your hips. It helps your heart tick over. Uh, it was the vanguard, too, of green prescriptions. So a doctor could, could prescribe you a walk or a, a membership of a gym 
or go walk in some trees. So it, it, it helps your mental health, it helps your physical health, it helps your lungs. Even if you, even I, you know, I've got asthma, and the, the the respirologist says you must jog. You know, you must try and breathe using your lungs uh, and exercise them in a way that you wouldn't if you were just sitting down. So biggest, yeah, she well, she knows she's the expert. Yeah. Biggest yeah. bang for your buck is yeah. walking. Now. When you were involved in that campaign, you were just coming out of the end of your kind of sporting career. A little bit. Right? I was still yes. doing some sports, but you were my boss, and I was, <laughs> I was doing some sports broadcasting. But I was maybe in my late thirties then. Yeah. yeah. So I hadn't played for about ten years. Yes. Now, is it the case that you've had a very active sporting career? In your case, rugby, of of mm. course. Um, you've done some damage to yourself. Some damage. <laughs> <laughs> I've got. I mean, I broke my jaw. I did my neck in. I've I got two sore shoulders. I've got disc problems in my back. I've got two hips that are sore. One's been replaced. The same Andy Murray operation, the resurfacing, which is actually a replacement. I've had operations on both knees. I've got one ankle. Um, but if I wasn't exercising, they would have seized up. You know, if you speak to Harry Burns, the former chief medical officer, there's a bit of research that even if you've got damaged joints and you exercise, you help them because you're lubricating them. So I've got a lot wrong with me, but even the analysis of, when it looks at rugby is um, you're better off having played rugby than not. Hmm. Heart health, friendship, fun, and knowledge that you've got to stay fit. But yes, as you look at me, I'm a bit of a physical wreck. No, but, but that's fine. You're looking in. Um, but that's fine. You're looking in fine form, John. I have fine. to say, I was hoping the conclusion of that was going to be that those of us who have never re really been in team <laughs> sports or sporting of any kind oh. have got more kind of longevity when it comes to walking. Probably, probably. <laughs> my father-in-law, Bill Dudgeon, who played for Gala in the fifties, mm -hmm. had a terrible leg break and then didn't play any more sport, has never jogged, has never done weights, mm -hmm. has never played squash, tennis, never played golf, just walked all his life. He's 95, I think. And if I said to him, I was talking to Jeff Zinsky, ex-head of radio, he's wearing a blue check shirt, dark trousers, and blah, blah, blah. And we had, we had radio mics on. Four days later, he'd give me it all back. Mm -hmm. So I think there is some evidence that, th there probably is evidence if you want to live longer. There's evidence if you play rugby, you will live healthier a little bit longer, but you'll die probably earlier than somebody who didn't oh, play right. rugby. Mm -hmm. um, and you'll get dementia a little bit earlier, given the head notch. But I think, yes, I, uh, yes, you will outlive me. Is that what you say? <laughs> I'm hoping. You, you will I'm hoping. You will outlive me. <laughs> I mean, just turned 60, I'm hoping I've got another. I, I, I mean, I'm, pretty <laughs> I'm pretty sure that the people out there who are in their 80s and they've just walked for their lives, they'll live longer than me. You wow. know, I've battered myself. Well, that's why we're having the festival to, right. to encourage that as well. Now, walking isn't your only activity. You're, you, I think you're still a keen cyclist, or have you packed I, that in? No, no, I, I do cycle, but I don't like the whole lycra thing. Mm. I've never, I, I, you know, I've passed the point in my life where I exercise to impress people, you know, yeah. or to be super fit, or to yeah. have the best body, or to be the strongest and toughest. Because life's a, you know, sports a competition. Everything's a competition. You've got to win. You analyze yourself. And at the end of it, you've lost or you've won. And losing is really hard. I, my daughter is a professional footballer. My son is a, was a rugby player. And winning and losing is a horrible thing. So I, I didn't want my cycling ever to be like my sport. So my cycling was just a mechanism to get to work and take my heart over and have some fresh air. 
So I've never, well, I drive to work if I'm not that feeling that great, but, mm. but probably in 30 years now, I've not driven to work if I can avoid it. Mm -hmm. So I'll get the bus or cycle. And I like cycling because my brother cycles, my other brother, my two brothers both cycle. Mm -hmm. And my middle brother, who's very eccentric, I don't mean that, I don't mean that in a bad way, but he's a guy who his whole life is active commuting. Mm -hmm. um, you can sum up cycling and walking by the word freedom. And cycling is, you don't need to go up that road. You can go left a bit if you want and go down the cycle path. You can think, I'll try a different route today. Whereas cars stick on the road and they're sedentary and if people feel powerful in their box of tin yeah. and they get angry, Cycle, you know, drivers get angry. Yeah. I can't, oh, can't get through the lights. Yeah. Cyclists, you're, in a, you're never going to go more than 20 miles an hour. Your heart's taken over. You're getting the fresh air. You can smell things. Yeah. If you cycle in the countryside, you can smell the trees and the fields. Mm. So I love cycling. I, I, you know, I, 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 lo I just love jumping on a bicycle, repairing the thing myself. You know, so I've, I've always loved cycling, you know, since yeah. uh, I was a child. It's my thing. If you were to say, what is your one sport, Jeff? It would be cycling. Yeah. Uh, but like you, not competitive. No. Not, but, however, when my health took a bit of a knock a couple of years ago when yeah. I was in the hospital and I came out, I got myself an electric bike because yeah. the advice was don't try and do too much. Yeah. Uh, it was interesting, the attitude from my fellow cyclists, that somehow I'd betrayed them. No, <laughs> no. You, you, you've got, I mean, I here I am, I am 65 years old. And there was a wee thing we had, a, we, we've a, got a great wee team on this program called Drive Time. Mm -hmm. Great, great team of really up for it people. It's like uh, constant. And they were, when I was off with COVID, they were all sending me videos of them all doing press ups. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And some of them are in their 20s. Now, in my 20s, I could probably do 70 press-ups. But now I can do 20-something mm -hmm. press-ups. And I think you've got to realize that when you get older, there's no shame in going, I can no longer run 10 miles, but I don't mind doing an electric bike. I've got pals who have electric bikes, and they tell me they can do things that would never, you would never do on a bicycle. Mm -hmm. They can go up, you know, around Loch Catrin on an electric bike, but they couldn't do it on a a normal bike or they go mountain biking yeah which is uphills but they can never do on it yeah. and i think you've got to realize that comes a time in your life when trying to do what you used to be able to do and yeah. being upset and not being able to do it is meaningless yeah it's yeah. not it's not a competition good on you having the electric bike yeah no i love it i love it yeah um the other thing i was going to say to you you touched on mental health and yeah. mental well-being now you're someone i was going to say who have easily found a third act in your life, <laughs> but probably in your case, a seventh or eighth act. You've changed your career uh -huh. quite a lot over the years. Uh, can you recount some of the changes for us? Well, I was, um, my degree was civil engineering with economics and maths. Uh, and so I was one of the engineers that helped build the Edinburgh City Bypass. Mm -hmm. And there's still a bridge in slightly the wrong place. <laughs> this is true, I'm not making this up. It was a footbridge uh -huh. and it was me and there's a wall but because I was an international rugby player, yeah. <laughs> they didn't knock it down. They did, because I was international rugby, it was just it's two inches out. And, you know, you've got to accept that in engineering, the tolerance is three to five mil. Right, right. And this thing was maybe 25 mil out, and I'd set it up incorrectly with my line and level. You know, I was, out with the, I was the guy with the hat on, and it was in the wrong place. Uh, Where is it? It's in the city bypass. It's yeah. one of the footbridges. Right. I, I'll tell you exactly where the big wall is that's out of place. If you, <laughs> <laughs> if you drive from Maybury 
and you're right. heading and you're about to get to the bridge over in, at Collington. Yeah. Uh, and if you look down, there's now a housing estate, modern houses, but it's a it's water of Leith Bridge. Mm -hmm. Come back 200 metres, look up to your right, there's a wall there that's slightly in the wrong place. That was me. Are they, are they going to name it after you? I, I hope. <laughs> the John Beatty Wonky Bridge? Undoubtedly, no. <laughs> so I was an engineer, and yeah. I, every time I cycled to work, I remember being an engineer at the exhibition centre. So I was the guy, or one of the guys did the floor slabs and the arco tunnels and the drainage. And I can still remember back then you would take a Wednesday off to go and play international rugby. You'd take the Wednesday, after work on a Wednesday, all of the, the staff would wave you bye-bye. And I can still remember leaving that site, November, 84, frosty day, mm -hmm. going to play Australia. We got, and everyone wished me luck, and we lost by a record score. A record score. And the Monday I came back, and nobody, nobody spoke to me. Mm -hmm. I walked the length of the site, and I can still hear the shovels on, yeah. on, the, on, the, on the frozen ground. I can still yeah. hear. And not a single laborer spoke to me. Not a single member of my company spoke to me. And I just got to the site hut. We had a guy called Whitey McNeil from Wishaw, who was bizarrely John Higgins' uncle, because he would tell us that John Higgins, his nephew, was a snooker player, and he would take his snooker. He was 10 years old at the time. Anyway, I'm thinking this is the worst day of my life. And walked the whole length of the site, thinking, you know, shoulders down, lost Australia. Everyone hates me. We're a failure. We've let the country down. And the site, Hut door opens and Whitey Manu <laughs> shouts out, Beatty, you are rubbish on Saturday. <laughs> and he said, you especially. And that kind of brought you down to yeah. <laughs> So that was my first, sorry, my first crew was engineering. Then um, my, my dad, uh, my dad had a heart problem. And I remember him saying to me about two, well, it turned out to be two weeks before he died, don't, don't stick in a job you don't like. So, 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 so hang on. Now I got carried off at Twickenham. Mm -hmm before the first World Cup, and I then thought, I'll give up engineering, then I retrained as a chartered accountant, mm -hmm. and I phoned the bloke I knew and said, look, I think I can pass the exams, take a risk on me, and he didn't, he didn't believe me, and he said, how much do you need to earn, and I said, well, if you give me £8,000 a year, mm -hmm. I can go to newspapers, I was doing a little bit with Radio Scotland in terms of, I think it was £26 a gig at mm -hmm. the time. Mm -hmm. If you came in, you got paid yeah. 26 pounds to comment. It's not going up much. <laughs> <laughs> and I was doing, I started doing articles. And so I retrained. And then he offered me seven grand. Mm -hmm. Took the job, retrained, qualified as, as an accountant. Got a little bit uncomfortable with accountancy, helping people pay less tax. Yeah. Then my father said, don't do stuff you don't like. And I phoned the BBC up and said, look, would you jointly fund mm -hmm. half, a, half a trip if I go to the World Cup in 95? Uh, the Rugby World Cup, and I phoned the Herald, and they jointly funded that trip, mm -hmm. and from then on, I did broadcasting. Yeah, I've been lucky boy. And now you're in news broadcasting. Yes. Yes, which is another big, big change now. But the, the reason I bring it up is because when I listen to you on the radio, what I hear is someone who still has a hunger for the job and a curiosity, and I'm wondering if that in itself keeps your mind going, you know, that, that sense of I'm desperately trying to get information out of people. It's not a confrontational style mm. you have, but you, you generally have a, a thirst for knowledge, don't you? You're being very kind. S sometimes I, I can be confrontational if someone's annoying me. Um, but, you know, having played rugby, oh, to, to go back to, you're talking about the mental agility. Yeah, yeah. So, okay. Well, Willie Stewart, who 
does all the research into dementia in rugby and concussion always says that there are probably eight factors that affect whether you're going to get dementia early, mm. you know, genetics, blood supply, activity levels, whether you played rugby and got concussed, were you a boxer, did you play rugby league? There are eight things, but then there are things you can do to slow it down. One of them is to keep your brain active. So I try and do the crossword. Mm -hmm. I grew up as a wee boy in the jungle of Borneo with my father, who was, we were the only Scottish rubber, you know, Scottish young couple in a rubber estate with pipe band music blaring out through the jungle. My dad telling me about what a great place Scotland was. And he always said, son, if somebody else can do it, you can do it. And we'd lie on our backs and look at the stars and remember the stars. There was always a kind of bizarre, my wife is, so you've met Jill, and Jill is um, constantly annoyed at me for being so no nosy mm -hmm. and wanting to understand something. I had to do a, a, a dress to the haggis the other day, and I didn't understand it. Mm -hmm. So I had to go away and understand it. So I explained it, then did it. Yeah. And I saw you put something in social media about doing that. Yeah. And I didn't understand it. So I learned it, learned what all the words meant and got the interpretation. And I can't, you know, and I genuinely think on radio, I have to, I'm neutral because I actually don't have an opinion. Mm -hmm. Half the time I don't have an opinion. I'm just interested in what, what these people think. Yeah. Whether it's somebody who's dying or somebody who's lost a relative or somebody who's, you know, got a political point to make. I'm genuinely interested because mm -hmm. no matter what we see, see in life, somebody thinks differently, don't they? Yeah. Politics is based on confrontation, alternative views. It feels like there used to be more room for those alternative views in the past than there is these days where people have taken entrenched positions, I think. I don't know if you agree with that or not. So I'm not allowed to comment on that, yeah. am I? I mean, I, but I do think we often find things that divide us. Mm -hmm. Whereas we're all humans. It's like the ownership of land, isn't it? You know, yeah. how, how can you own land? Mm -hmm. um, when we all walked out of Africa 200,000 years ago. You know, you can go up in Scarabray and Orkney and look at, you can look at Pictish settlements mm -hmm. where they've had trade with Turkey, you know, thousands of years ago. They've got spices that, they, that were shipped from Turkey. And here we are all, all arguing about stuff. Yeah. But it's much more important that we get through stuff, isn't it? Yeah. That's what I think. Maybe I'm in the minority. No, I, I, I'm a dude. When I left the BBC, someone asked me if I would like to join their political party. <laughs> and I said, like you have just said, I said, I'm sorry, but I've worked for the BBC for so long, I don't have an, opinion, an opinion anymore. No. And they said, that needn't matter. We can supply the opinions. <laughs> <laughs> we can give you the opinion. So, Here's what to say. Maybe that's how it works, you know. Here's but, what to uh, say. No, but you mentioned dementia once or, once or twice and... Mm. I know you have a keen interest in the impact of head injuries yes. on on people, people who've had a sporting career. Yeah. And in fact, you've agreed to donate your brain to science I afterwards. I made a documentary on concussion and rugby just before the 2015 Rugby World Cup. On, on the back of that, I was called by various people in rugby, an old woman, mm. which I was quite proud of because my granny was head of, Glasgow City Women's Police. So I've yeah. got some pretty tough women in my background. But, I, I, you know, the, the research is there that says if you, if you, you can relate, you can join autistic kids with army veterans and American footballers, and they all have the same thing in common. They've all got slightly damaged brains, mm -hmm. given that aut some, some autistic kids can bang their heads against walls. Some army veterans yeah. have had, you know, concussions. And sports people are. So um, it struck me that 
an awful lot of young men do things that aren't healthy for their brains. Um, and when, you know, think of the violence in schools among young teenage boys. Think yeah. of boxing. Think of rugby. Think of heading a football. And I thought, well, you, you know, I've been a rugby player and I've stood in a bar uh, after a game blind, thinking, why can't I see? Gosh. And I remember Willie Stewart told me when we did this documentary, that's concussion. And I've maybe had a handful of concussions. There's some research came out the other day saying mm -hmm. three concussions might lead you to brain damage. So I thought, well, okay. But they've also done studies on, on nuns. And you can, you can analyze nuns who appear to be uh, appear to be very similar in terms of their cognitive abilities because nuns, uh, you know, sow a lot, learn prayers, re mm -hmm. recount things, uh, sing things, engage in communal activities. And then you analyze their brains and one brain will be telling you this actually, this person actually had pretty advanced brain disease and this person was okay. So you can, you can protect your brain. You can protect your brain. I, I am worried in case I've got issues or my kids have issues. But I, I think there's no doubt that physical sport damages your brain, but you can do things to prevent it. Well, John, thank you very much for... That's it. <laughs> Not quite. I was going to say thank you very much for talking to us. But uh, before I leave you, I want to extend an invitation to you. Um, our Festival of Walking Wheeling happens in May this year. Uh, you're more than welcome to come and pay us a visit, take part, join one of our walks and see what's happening there. And if you want to bring your programme with you, <laughs> do that as well. Well, that would be nice. If we can do it, we'll do it. I, I do genuinely, as, as a bloke who spent his life thinking it was all about sport, you know, I, did, I, I said to you, I, I thought the secret to health was for everyone to be in a sports club or a jogging club. I, you know, 20 odd years ago, I quickly, having spoken to experts, realized it's about walking and cycling. It's active commuting. So if, if, I'd love to do it if I can, Jeff. I'd love to. Okay, we'd love to see you there if you can. John Beatty, thank you very much. Jeff, thank you. Waste to Wellbeing is produced in Inverness, Scotland by Partnerships for Wellbeing, a registered charity. To find out more about our services, go to p4w.org.uk.